This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Heavenly Father, we just pause right now, Lord, and we commit the rest of our time together to you. And we want to hear your voice, Lord. We want your Holy Spirit to be here speaking to us. We, we want him confirming the word. We want him, Lord, to show us how to have victory in every aspect of our life. And uh, Father, we just dedicate this to you, and we thank you for your wisdom and your presence here in Jesus' name. Amen. So our text for today is 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. And Paul writes there, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their, righteous, their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So, Pastor Mike has been telling us the last few weeks that, that God is giving us the keys to the kingdom. And so we should know what the, what the keys are for, what, what uh, the kingdom is, and... Uh, you know, just, just what we need to do with those. So uh, we are being reconciled. It is being reconciled to God and his kingdom and his way of doing things. And so those keys give us a glimpse or can unlock the locks when, whenever we need to get through something. So, um, you know, just a little bit about keys and a vehicle. You need to know what, what keys actually go in the ignition because the trunk key isn't going to work in the ignition. And I know nowadays, cars don't even have keys. They have a fob and a push button. Uh, but I don't have one like that, and I think we can all still relate to keys and, and car keys. But we need, we need to know what they're for, how to put the vehicle into gear, how to, um, how to get it to go faster. Right, guys? We want things to go faster a lot. So, so we're going to take a little time and look into that. And what is a kingdom? I just happen to have a couple definitions, and if you ask a, a teacher to preach, guess what? You get a couple definitions. So, kingdom comes from the Greek word basilia, and it means the king's domain, uh, the realm of the king's domain, royal power, kingship, dominion, rule. It's also the territory or subject to the rule of a king, the kingdom over which God rules, and the kingdom of the Messiah founded by God through the Messiah and over which the Messiah presides. It also means kingship, sovereignty, authority, rule, especially that of God both in the world and in the hearts of men, which is human, mankind. Now the kingdom of heaven is not synonymous with heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a way of operation. It's a, a way of doing things. It's a way that God operates, and it is in operation on heaven, in heaven. And God also wants that operation to happen here on earth as well. So 
you know, he taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, like the song said that we were, that we were singing this morning. He said, pray this way, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how do we know his will? Romans 12 says that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we, do, we renew our minds by the word and his spirit. Also, praying in tongues. My little, my little uh, testimony on praying in tongues is that for the last year and a half or two years, I made a commitment that I was going to do that. I was going to pray in tongues. And I didn't quite know why, but I studied it, and I found out that in Romans 8, Paul says that the Spirit knows the will of God. And he prays through us uh, with utterances that we can't even understand or don't know. Um, and then 1 John 5 says that when God hears that we are praying his will, guess what? We know that he hears us, and he said we have the petitions that we ask for. And so it's a win-win, and that's my, that's my testimony for, for tongues, praying in tongues, and it's not, I mean, it's not a, a magic wand. There's still challenges, there's still questions, but it seems like for me over the last couple of years, whenever I've needed that key, whenever I've needed something to be unlocked or a door to be opened or an answer, uh, it's been there for me. So I just want to encourage you in that. And the other thing is, uh, when, we, when we're discerning his will, we can look and see whatever's going on up there or whatever we see Jesus doing in the word, that's what we need to do on the earth. And if something's happening on the earth that we don't see happening in heaven, that needs to stop. And we are in charge of that. So, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the King James version that everybody I think is familiar with. Uh, New King James says, your will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's not after these words prayed specifically. It's a template, more of a template on how to pray. Because he said, don't pray out in the open like the hypocrites and don't repeat this or things over and over and over again like the heathens do. So Matthew 6, uh, 9 says that we should pray in this manner. That again is New King James. And we'll look at the Passion Translation because I think it does a little bit better job of explaining or giving us Jesus' heart on this. And in the Passion Translation, he said, pray like this. So it's a command. We are to pray like that. And here's verse 10 in the Passion. It says, manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is fulfilled in heaven. So does that give us a little bit better understanding of what Jesus feels and what he wants and what he's actually commanding us to do? He said, manifest this prayer is manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be filled on earth just as it is in heaven. So that's our command. He's commanding us to do that. So what is a kingdom and what is it all about? It's the governing influence of a king or a territory impacting it with his will, his purpose, his intent, and it produces a citizenship that reflects the king's culture, nature, and his values. So 
there has to be a kingdom that's already established and another kingdom comes and establishes the king's will. Uh, so that's what we are to do. And we are to reflect the way he thinks, believes, speaks, eats, acts, and everything just like the king does. So here's a prophecy about the king in our king, Jesus, that we usually hear around Christmas time. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's Isaiah 9, 6 through the first part of 7. And the, the word government there can be interchanged with kingdom, the state, government. It can mean the same thing. So we're looking at the increase of his government. And that's his will, that his government increases here on the earth. That his territory is designed to increase until it has no end. Later in verse 7, later in verse 7, he talks about the zeal that God has for it. It's an intense desire that he wants this will to happen here on earth until there's no end to his kingdom. And if there's such an intense desire, then he wants us to have that same desire. And the other thing is that he will implement that through us. You know, God has chosen to limit himself and he now works through people. And so he will work that through us. He's intimately involved in the expansion of his kingdom. A little bit more about kingdom. Here's what a kingdom needs. A, a kingdom needs a ruler, a king. In our case, obviously, it's King Jesus. It needs a territory. And that territory can be the hearts and minds and people and physical territory. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he gave that to Adam. What did Adam do? Adam lost it when he sinned. Jesus won it back and now is telling us to implement God's kingdom on the earth. Sorry. A kingdom also needs resources. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I, I can't really picture a thousand hills, but I just think that it's uh, a thousand hills must be endless. It must be the, the whole earth. And the cattle on a thousand hills denotes um, resources and wealth. And he's got it. And he's got many mansions. He's got streets paved with gold. I don't think resources, keep hitting that button, is a problem. Uh, a kingdom also needs people. And it's not people as, as in subjects. It's more of a royal family that he has created. It's, it's about uh, his children. And we are his children in the process of learning who we are, who we are in Christ, what this kingdom life is all about and how we have authority and how we implement his culture as a royal family. And there's a huge difference between being a servant who does the will of his master and does everything that he's told. There's a big difference between that and a child who knows the heart of, of his or her father, who knows the heart of a king. So everything changes with an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can now act we can now think like the king does, and we can now speak like he does and get his results. A kingdom also needs a colonization project. Any kingdom wants to expand, and this one is, is no different. A kingdom needs a constitution. I keep hitting this button. 
So a constitution is just a legal document. It's, it's the word. It's the written word of God. That gives us legal rights that we need to know what they are. A lot of times we'll, we'll cry about what we don't have. And it doesn't, crying doesn't work in a legal environment. You know, picture crying in a court of law. You know, if you don't have a lawyer representing you legally and you just start crying, they're going to throw you out. And I thought of, uh, I went and got a duplicate title uh, for my truck because I'm selling it. 08, Chevy, Suburban, <laughs> LTZ loaded. But I went in to get the, the duplicate title, and if I would have went in there and cried and said, oh, please, I need a duplicate title. I really want a duplicate title. Will you help me? They would have looked at me and said, get out of here, you freak, you weirdo. They, they don't work like that. So I said, good afternoon. I want a, a duplicate title for my truck. Here's my license. Here's my, nine, I think it was $17.23, and I'll be right here when you get it printed out. And so she went to the back, printed it, and gave it to me, and I said, thank you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And she said, thank you. You have a happy Thanksgiving, too. So that's how it works in, in a legal setting. And we have legal right because of the Constitution, because of the Word, because of what Jesus did, bought, and paid for, so that we can claim what we need. So if we're to take territory, and we are, there must be a kingdom that we're taking territory from, right? Yes, there are two kingdoms on earth. Colossians 1.13 says, who has delivered us, Jesus, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So he translates us a legal, a legal process where we are residents of one kingdom to the other. So we are in operation of one kingdom or the other. And another definition. Uh, translated means to change or transfer, to transpose, to transfer from one place to another, or to exchange, to put out and remove. So I think of it this way. From I think of, and in the context of... Um, of the message here, we were given the ministry of reconciliation. We are reconciled, and one of the terms or definitions of being reconciled is going from one column to another, if you picture it on paper. One column of death, darkness, destruction, uh, being spiritually separated from God, and another column of life and light and um, having peace and joy and peace with God and knowing where you're going to spend eternity, like Angie said earlier. So what that involves is we can be, uh, we can be translated from one column, the column of death, to the column of life, and the door is open. The door is open. Jesus has opened that for us. He's made us uh, citizens and that was a legal process. So now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's Ephesians 2.19. So we are joint heirs with him. We belong to the same household as he does. And it's legal. It's just like we were legally adopted. And we were. So we have this ministry of reconciliation, but we're not equipped to do this right out of the box. 
we need help, we need training. And that's why God gave us the fivefold ministry. He gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, sorry, pastors, and teachers. And we all have a ministry. It might not be one of the fivefold ministries. We might not have a 501c3 where we have a tax deductible ministry, but we all have a ministry. And a lot of times ministries are born out of uh, hardship. You might have gone through something. By the way, how many, how many people have gone through something, a challenge, and they felt like God really ushered them through and, and they relied on Jesus and they got them through? Raise your hand up high. A lot of them, good. So ministries a lot of times are born out of going through that process and God puts your feet back on solid ground and you look behind you and you see people going through the same thing that you're going through. So you reach back and say, you know what, I can help you. I've been through this myself and that is a ministry, bringing people through um, and getting them back on solid ground. So being born again isn't necessarily, it isn't the, the end-all be-all because it's not the end of the line. Nobody, you know, accepts Christ as their Lord and Savior and is transposed to, uh, to heaven because we have a work to do. It's easy to confuse our purpose with our destiny. Our destiny is to go to heaven. Our purpose is to bring heaven to earth and it's to bring people to heaven. So we gotta pick up the pace here a little bit. Uh, We are ambassadors. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God is pleading through us. And since we're ambassadors, we need to know what they are or what that is. So an ambassador, we've got a couple bullet points here, are appointed by the king, not voted in. So... Since the world didn't give us this, it can't take, a, take it away from us. Ambassadors represent the kingdom, not themselves. An ambassador is committed to the state's interest, not their own. Paul told Timothy to be a good soldier for Christ. Soldiers also are, um, they're, they're, they're committed to the interests of the state. And we're the embodiment of the state. So we're the embodiment of the kingdom of God. When people look at us, do they see Christ? Do they see King Jesus? Do they see us overcoming? Do they see us winning? And it's not that we don't have challenges, but do they see us overcoming those challenges? Do they see us having victory? It's really victory over challenges. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And an ambassador speaks only on the behalf of the state, not their personal opinion. We speak God's word, not how we feel. And people are so bad at this. And I'm a people. We like to have pity parties. We like to say, oh, this always happens to me. Or I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to get what I want. But we speak the promises of God over our situations, right? Yeah, we don't speak the circumstances. We find in the word God's will and we speak that and then we expect that will to be done. We speak to the mountain. If there's anything in our way of our assignment, we speak to that thing. And we say, mountain, be thou removed. We say, mulberry tree, get plucked up by the roots. Uh, Zechariah uh, 4.7 says, who 
are you, O great mountain? And you can say this to your issue. Who are you, O great mountain? For you will be made a plain. You will be flattened. You are not going to be in my way anymore. So that's what we do. When we, when we have an issue that's, that's confronting us, that's in our way of accomplishing our assignment, we need to flatten it. It's part of the maturing process in the, in the kingdom of God. Uh, the other thing is expenses are completely covered by the state. Amen? There's a, an old saying, if it's his will, it's his bill. It's kind of crude or crass, but it's true. If God's calling us to do it, you know, we, we probably don't have the resources. Even if you have, I would venture to say, if you have six zeros in your, well, a number with six zeros in your bank account, millions, I would venture to say that God is going to call you to do something bigger than whatever that bank account says that you have. That's just what I've seen. If you have $10 in there, he's gonna call you to do more because he wants to show himself faithful. He wants to show him as our provider, not our bank account, not our job. Um, <clears throat> so that was free. I don't know where that came from. No extra charge for that. But, but we need those resources to carry out our assignments. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first his kingdom and all of these things will be added to you. The, all these things that are added are needed to, to carry out your assignment. An ambassador is completely protected by the state. And the, the angels are our, you can think of it as our, our secret service agents, I guess, there to protect the ambassador. Uh, you can just go, go ahead and try to rush any embassy on, uh, in any other comp- country. Um, Lisa and I have experience with the embassy in Kiev when we were uh, adopting our kids. Uh, there are armed guards there. You cannot just rush up to the front, uh, to the front of the line or to, to uh, the door. Someone will stop you, and it will hurt. When we got there, it was pretty early in the morning, and there were, I don't know, there was a huge crowd of people, and everyone's pushing, trying to get to the doors, pushing on people, and I think that's kind of their culture, too. They don't really care about personal space, and they're just elbowing to get to the front, and we looked at each other like, well, this is going to take all day. How are we going to do this? And then I think we remembered our, uh, our lawyer said, when you get there, go, go to an authority, tell them who you are. And that's what we did. So we took our passports and we went to one of the guards and we said, uh, we're American citizens here for an adoption. And they said, follow me right this way. They ushered us in. Um, but there are armed guards there because that's American soil. That's... Uh, uh, soil where the, the, the ambassador is, and so they need to protect them. The other thing is ambassadors, uh, though we're protected by the state, ambassadors don't fight. And we see this with, or, or we fight in a different way. We don't fight with guns or swords or, or even words. We don't have to defend ourselves. Uh, we see that when Jesus was being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Peter took out his sword and cut off the ear of one of the guards. Uh, Jesus told him to put his sword away. He said, put your sword away. Don't you know that I could pray to my father and he would send 12 legions of angels? So we don't fight in that way. We pray. We pray thy will be done, thy kingdom come. And he sends his angels. He's the Lord of hosts. 
So this is God's vision for our culture here on earth. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, and we're gonna take a look at what that is. But first, uh, there have been a number of commissions, if, I, if I'm reading the Bible correctly, where Jesus or God commissions someone to do something. And the first one was Adam. He commissioned Adam to have dominion over the earth, to subdue it and work and be fruitful and multiply and bring the order of heaven to earth. Now, Adam gave up his authority when he sinned, and uh, then Jesus won it back. And in the Gospels, in Mark 10, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 10, Mark 6, Luke, uh, that's where Jesus gave his disciples kind of a field experience is how I see it. He sent them out, filled them with the Holy Spirit, and told them to preach the, uh, that the kingdom of God is near. He gave them power and authority over unclean spirits to heal, cleanse, raise the dead, cast out demons. And the disciples uh, were told not to worry about what they are to say, but just listen to the Holy Spirit and they would, they would be told what to say. So the, the disciples spoke to people uh, about the kingdom of God. And, and the reason that they healed cleansed, raised the dead, and cast out demons is because that is the kingdom of God. That is a picture of how the kingdom operates here on earth. Are we, are we getting that? Are we starting to see it? Thank you. So the Great Commission, I think most people are aware of this, in Matthew 28, we are commissioned with his authority to work miracles and make disciples of all nations like he did. Now, the word commissioned actually means to the one commissioned has full power and authority, power to decide, and permission to do. So this is what Jesus was commissioning us to do. Make disciples. He said, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore. So he was giving us that authority to act on his behalf and permission to do. And he is our example so we have full power and authority and permission and the power to decide. And we're running out of time here, so we're going to go to the Ministry of Reconciliation. Finally, we made it. The Ministry of Reconciliation. And here's what it is. Uh, let me back up one more step. I used to work for account temps, and maybe some of you know account temps is an account, it's actually a, a, a firm who finds accounting departments that need workers, right? Maybe they've had an illness, maybe they've had uh, um, maternity leave, maybe a sickness, something like that, injury. And so we got those people as clients, those companies, and then we would find workers that had the same skill that that these companies needed. And the one that sticks out to me was to reconcile. And I didn't know what it was, but I didn't care. All I did was I took a need and I filled it with people that could do that. And after a while, I thought, you know, I should really know what some of this stuff means. So I asked my, one of my coworkers, hey, what does reconcile mean? And he looked at me and said, you don't know what reconcile means? And I thought, no, and now I'm, I'm sad that I asked you, but... I did. And I moved on shortly after that, but we've talked about reconcile a little bit. And the way I think of it now is just going from one column to another. Uh, but, but here's what it means. It comes from the Greek word katalaso. 
catalysol. So to change, exchange, reconcile, and change usually means come back, um, to change back or return to, as when two parties change to the same opinion, it can, be, it can mean settled differences, it can mean a relationship where one ceases to be angry and a return to favor. So to account for is another word, and I guess that's probably where the, the whole word accounting came from, but I had no clue. So I want you to visualize how going from one column of death to another column of life is possible. And that's what God is calling us to do. We tell people to be reconciled to God and we live to infuse the kingdom here on earth. So Jesus is our example of this. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. So he didn't just sit in his office. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. John said that if everything was written down about what Jesus did, there wouldn't be room enough on earth to fill all the volumes of what he did. And then he went and made matters worse, and he said, greater works than these will you do, because I go to the Father. That's what ambassadors do. Ambassadors do those works. And he said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So if you're looking for a you know, if you're visiting here looking for a church, this is a great one. There's a lot of them in the area. Um, but this church is focused on taking ground from the enemy. That's what, we're, that's what we're all about. That's what we're designed to do. We're far from perfect, but we're moving forward. And we are taking territory for the kingdom. And the kingdom, again, Basilia, uh, helps word studies, describes that kingdom as the rule of Christ in the hearts of believers. It also refers to the rule of Christ in believers' hearts at the end during the millennial reign where where Jesus will rule in all mankind's hearts. So my question is, knowing that that's the ultimate goal for our Lord, uh, is it reasonable to think that we need to be doing this right now and working toward that end? And I think it is. Yeah. So I'd like to invite the worship team up. And if everybody would stand, we'll close. Be reconciled to God. Go from one column to another. And we have that ministry of reconciliation. And we implore you as if God himself was speaking with zeal through us. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21 after this says that for he, God, made him Jesus who knew no sin for us or who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So we can exchange our sinful uh, acts, our sin for his righteousness. That's what we implore people to do. So if we could bow our heads, close our eyes, there won't be anybody looking around. We have a choice. Which column do you want to be in? You could pay your own debt and owe, or we could be reconciled and be even and have life everlasting and life to the full. If this is the desire of your heart, all we need to do is express that to God. 
We only have to pray this one time. And if you're feeling the words that were spoken to be confirmed, if you're feeling the spirit tugging on your heart saying, yes, this is right, this is what you need to do, then you can pray with us. You only need to pray this prayer once, but let's bow our heads. If that's the desire of your heart, repeat after me and we'll all pray together. Just pray, Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. I ask you to take it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive your free gift of salvation. I exchange my sin for your righteousness. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.